Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Mona Haddad, sponsored by our children Barbara, Lori, Mitchell, and Alan. Breakfast in the Class is also sponsored by Charles Darwish in memory and Leilunish Batema, the victims of the tragedy, Thursday evening at Miron for the Refuash of those that are injured. Breakfast in the Class is also sponsored by Wilma and Kenneth Ashendorf in honor of the engagement of their daughter, Rachel Ashendorf, to Benedetto Mivorach Kahlun, son of Silvana, and Benyamino Kahlun of Rome, Italy, Mazal Tov. Breakfast in the Class is also sponsored by Wilma and Kenneth in memory and Lizech and Ishmat, the victims of the tragedy Thursday evening at Miron, and for the Rifuash of those that still need a healing. Last but not least, it is, we also have a breakfast and class dedication in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Ayub Ben Elazar Alava Shalom, sponsored by his granddaughter Seba Hurizadeh. Rabotai, I would like to share with you uh, a mitzvah in this week's parasha that really speaks to a much wider concept than itself. And again, I'd like to just point this out. It's something that's really important to get to come to grips with, you know. Most of the times, when we think of the Torah and the mitzvot, we think of things that the Torah is obligating us to do, but not thinking correctly about really what the point is. Mitzvot are not things that you're supposed to do. Mitzvot are things you're supposed to be. And the Torah sets up various instances and scenarios where we encourage you along your path of being through things that you do. So in other words, if we keep teaching you to give tzedakah, the point of tzedakah is not to give tzedakah, it's to become a person who has compassion, who has sensitivity to the needs of another person. The more you give, the more opportunities there are for you to give, the more opportunity there is for you to show compassion. There comes a day after doing this every day, I mean, I love this idea we have in the tefillah, uh, there's a minhag, we say, right? And everyone comes and they put money in the, uh, in the tzedakah box or in the little, uh, the little kind of uh, wicker basket that we have next to my seat in the front of the synagogue. So people are sitting there and they're coming and they give one, two, and then a third. They go with the two coins and then a third coin. Or two dollars and a third dollar. People are coming every day. Now, let me ask you a question. Isn't it easier, instead of saying, okay, how much am I going to give, $3 a day? Instead of me making the trek, exposing myself to a gaggle of people next to the tzedakah box, I'll swipe my card, three times 365, Why? What's the, what are the numbers? I don't know, my, uh, my math is not that sharp. I'm sure we have an accountant over here. Sorry? 1,085 we have over here is the number, okay? 1,095? 1,085? Okay. Could someone ask Siri and get this right? All right? This is, uh, all right? Okay. It's this kind of creative accounting that lands people in jail, by the way. Okay. Now, 1,095. All right? Azaku Baruch. The guy swipes his card, 1,095. Now he don't got to get up. He sits back in the back of the knis. Everyone is going up to give tzedakah, and he's taking a suntan. Fantastic. Except that the problem is, although you've given tzedakah exactly the same amount of money, even if just for good measure, and also because you can't do math, instead of giving 1,095, you say, you know what? 1,500, yalla. 
right? That way it's, I overgave. The Torah would rather that you gave 1095 the dollars every day, than you giving a one-swipe gift in the end. Why? Because you're coming every day, first of all, of course, only to the 7.30 minyan. But also, you because the person is challenging their Yetzer Hara 365 times. Whereas when you swipe, even though you challenge the Yetzer Hara once in a bigger way, but it was only once, the idea to compare those two things is to think that you could go to the gym and lift something that's 1,500 pounds one time, and think that's going to make you in good shape, rather than going every single day, 1,500 reps of one pound are much more impressive, and actually do much more for your health and your build, than one rep of 1,500 pounds. Therefore, my friends, when we look at the mitzvot, it's important to understand, not to get fooled by the facade, by the skin of the mitzvah, but rather to take in, aside from the shallow exterior, the internal meaning, kedushah, and, uh, and push that takes you in a certain direction. So I want to share with you one mitzvah that is like that, and I think we learn a tremendous lesson from it. The pasuk says, And the land will shall not be sold eternally. For the land belongs to me. For you are, are converts and sojourners amongst me. You are temporary, transient residents um, with me. That's what God says. What's this referring to? The halakha is if a person sells their land in Eretz Israel, there's no such thing as purchasing land in the land of Israel, in Eretz Israel proper. Why? At least not back in the time of the temple. If you bought a piece of land, at the end of Yovel, 50 years would go by, the land would return, Vishavu, and right, and each one, Ish Elachuzato, each person will return to his portion. So what does that mean? If it goes back in Yovel, let's just imagine that Yovel is, is 10 years from now, okay? So we're now 2021. 2031 is the year of Yovel. Yovel is a 50 year cycle. So I come, I want to buy this land. How much is the guy going to charge me? He can't charge me the price that you'd pay for a piece of real estate in an equivalent city elsewhere in the world. Because anywhere else, what do you pay for? You pay for the land forever. It's a land lease that you're buying. Now, obviously, the land lease that a person is purchasing for your veil, it will differ every single year. The real estate prices differed every year because you were buying the piece of land for 10 years and then for nine years, and then for eight years. You could have a guy buy a piece of land in year 49. How much should he pay for the land? He should pay very little. He's literally, it's like a one-year rental, okay? At the end of that time, the land goes back automatically. So the pricing and the system of real estate in Eretz Israel was very different to real estate in many other places. You still have this concept of land leases here in New York City. In fact, there was a place I was trying to buy. If once I re-signed with the synagogue, I was trying to buy a place to live here. That way I know that I'm pu- putting the equity and the rent each year into a place because, you know, if I'm going to be here long term, at the end of 10, 20 years, you know, you want to be able to have a place that you own. Also, you don't have to pay for it anymore. All right. One of the places I looked at, actually, I didn't choose because it was a land lease. 
So what do you go? You go and buy the space. And then at the end of the time, what happens? It belongs to some guy. The guy could say, you know what? You have a house, you have an apartment built on my land. I'm charging for the land lease this year, $10 million. Then you have a choice. Now you have to sell your apartment or pay his upgraded price, right? It's a very interesting and intricate law. You have also land leases, by the way, in, in England. There's areas in England which are owned still by the queen. So when you buy a house, you're not purchasing the house. You're buying a 99-year lease. You have to ask permission from the queen in order to change uh, an outlet. Majnun. But that's what a land lease is. Says Borei Olam, Stanna. You want to buy land in Eretz Israel? You don't buy here. Here, you lease or you rent. Why? For you are sojourners with me. My friends, I want to understand what this means in a B level, not in a do level. Remember, mitzvot can either be something that you do or something that you be. Let's try to understand this in a B level. Our, our rabbis tell us, they try and help a person understand what this concept means. Let's say as an example, I rented a, a, a house I rented a house, uh, or you know, uh, in deal. I rented a, a a place in the city. Could you imagine coming to this house that I rented for one year? At the end of one year, the guy is selling the apartment. He's selling the house. He's moving in. He's having his kids move it. Could you imagine a person putting in a pool? Could you imagine a person redoing a roof deck? Could you imagine a person tearing up all the floors? He's here for one year. Who's going to put that level of investment when you're only here for a very limited amount of time? It's just not worth all that effort to be able to put in so much into something that anyway, at, at the end of the certain period of time, you have no option to extend. The guy's cutting you out, the lease is terminated, chalas. You know, there's not going to be a moratorium against eviction. Chalas, you're out, okay? My friends, this idea was what God was trying to communicate to the Jewish people in the land of Israel. You see, not only is the Jewish people a special people, given and charged a mission, with a mission from God to live in the most beautiful, holy, and appropriate way, the Jewish person living in that way is living in that way when he's living in Israel. Living in America, living in Canada, living in England, South Africa, all these other places in the world, it might be easier to live or more prosperous for us to live as Jews but we're not living our ideal Jewish life. There's mitzvot that you only have, mitzvot to liot only in Israel. So some of the mitzvot of the way you're supposed to live life, we only learn we're living in Israel, where we have the mitzvah of aliyah regal of rising up three times a year to go to the Beit HaMikdash, or things like that. Here too is also the same idea. The idea is supposed to be communicating to every Jew living in Israel who purchased the house, who bought a place to live, don't get comfortable. This place, it's temporary. It's transient. And when the contract is up, ain't nothing you could do to extend. A person in this life is the same way. We know that this is not a place or a space that we're going to live in perpetuity uh, forever and ever. We have a limited land lease. We get to live here for a certain amount of time. And when the lease is over, chalas, you can't extend so imagine a person spending all of their money on, on physical things 
that they can't take with them, that they can't know is going to stay with them forever. It's ludicrous. My friends, that idea is something that really helps a person. And I want to expand on this concept. But first I want to share with you a beautiful story. There was a rabbi whose name was Rabbi Rafael Baruch Toledano. One of the great, uh, the first, I would say, pioneers of uh, Sephardic rabbis in Israel that came and earned a lot of the respect, not only of the Sephardic community, but of the Ashkenaz community. Okay? Because a lot of the people in the old Yishuv, right, before the, the Middle Eastern people came back to Israel, a lot of the people that were living in Eretz Israel that were religious were students of the Vilna Gaon who made the journey. A lot of they were, many of them were Ashkenaz. So when the Sefaradim came, both in terms of uh, rabbis, but also in terms of workers, we were looked down upon, in many cases, by the elite, both in Torah and as well in, uh, in business and other things, back in the day, in the beginning of the time of the state of Israel. It has since gotten much better. But Rabbi Rafael Baruch Toledano, he, um, when he lived in Morocco, he was a big rabbi in Morocco. And his sons and daughters, they always encouraged him, why are we renting, why are we renting, why are we renting? We should buy a house. And he always refused. The kids asked him, they said, Dad, it's a bad, it's a bad financial investment to not buy a house. You're paying forever. You're throwing money away. If you know you're going to be living here, you may as well. Let's, we'll help get a down payment together and you'll pay down a mortgage instead of, you know, I don't know if they had mortgages back then in Morocco, but they had whatever it was. He answered them. He said, it's true. It's a good financial arrangement. It's a good financial investment. He said, but it's a very bad spiritual one. He says, because it teaches a person to think that they're going to be here forever. The feeling that you own a space, you own the land, the house that you're in, said Rabbi Toledad, now this is not for people like you and me. I don't know that this is a level of sensitivity, but for this tzaddik, he says, I want to always feel like there's going to be a time when it's over. If you feel like you're here forever, you know what you do? You don't take advantage of every minute. You don't live life like you're cramming. Think of the difference as an example of a guy who comes to visit New York City from another country. And they tell you, did you go to here? Did you go there? Did you see this? Did you go? You're like, no, I didn't go there. I didn't see that. I haven't been there. I haven't do that. Right? The guy's like, what do you mean? And he's going the bus and he's taking the thing. Why? How does a tourist? Tourists get everything done. You know why? Because they're leaving. A person could live in New York City and not see many of the beautiful sights New York City has to offer. Same thing when we go to Italy, when we go to France, when we go, we're jumping on buses. We don't want to miss one thing. Why? Because I'm here for a week. The nature of transience, the nature of temporary is such that a person is forced to take advantage of all the great opportunities. You get to feel too comfortable. Comfort is the enemy of growth. My friends, when he finally got to Eretz Israel, they said, okay, fine. Dad, you were in Morocco. You didn't buy the place. But now you're in Israel. Now you got to buy a place. He says, what do you mean? No, same thing. They said, but in Israel, there's a mitzvah, Yishuv Eretz Israel. It's a mitzvah to own a piece of uh, property in Israel. He said, you know what? Okay. What did Rabbi Toledano do? He wanted to have both. He wanted to have the mitzvah, and he also wanted to feel like he was, te- he was a temporary resident in this world. So he bought an apartment and he rented it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he lived in another apartment that he rented. 
only a, only a big rabbi, a big tzaddik, with sensitivity like this, would do something. Now again, that's beyond our uh, capability. But at the same time, my friends, it's true for all of us. Now I want to add one last piece to this. Because this is not only about real estate, and it's not only about dying. You get too comfortable in the marriage, you take your wife for granted. You take your husband for granted. I think that the reason the Torah gave um, such real estate and such expression and uh, to tell people about getting divorced is that they would remember, oh my gosh, if I don't do this right, maybe I might wind up in a place where this that I have, this special relationship that I have, might not actually make it, it might not survive. The more a person doesn't take things for granted, the more they put into their kids. My friends, there was once someone who took the uh, amount of time that a parent has with their child from the time they're born until their time that they're 18. They subtracted all the night hours where they're sleeping. They subtracted the years before the kid knows you exist and he's just a poop machine, okay? And they, lay, they, gave, they laid out in a matter of hours um, a, the amount of time a parent, a father has with their son or with their daughter. And then they turned it into a stop, like a timer, a countdown clock. You have 8,000 hours with your kid. 7,000, 6,000, you know. Before the kid goes out, adult, they go their own way. You know, they moved out, they got married, who knows what. Now, again, I don't know if any of us need that extra anxiety hanging around our house, right? But the point, my friends, the point, is there anything more important than spending time with your kids? There isn't. You know when parents start to spend time with their kids? Kids getting married, oh, I need to go out for breakfast. Because the temporary forces the growth. My friends, this is true about everything in life. Recognize that your kids won't be kids forever. Recognize that your marriage has a certain amount of time when you can lay the foundations for it. Eventually, people get sick of one another. They take each other for granted, not because you did anything wrong. But slowly but surely, if you don't put in the investment, you wake up one day and your wife is a stranger. Not because she's trying to be, not because you're trying to be. Enough days in a row where you got home late, you were a little tired, you turned on the game, you ate dinner by yourself late. Eventually, you start to learn, you know what, I just, it's easy, I just, I'm living life by myself. Hadda's running away, I love it. He's got a call from his wife. <laughs> there you go, right? B, not do, right? Okay, unbelievable. You guys understand this? This is, this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful lesson of a mitzvah that actually teaches us such a wide uh, uh, concept that helps us engage in all, in all the things properly. My friends, I want to add one last piece. And that is that another thing that is temporary, another thing that needs to be guarded, is our, our age and our health. You know, sometimes, I mean, again, I have some young guys here in the class. We have some guys that are my age in the class, some guys a little older than me in the class. I remember when I was a young man starting my marriage, it was like this, two minutes ago. And my kid, then your kids are born, and then you walk your first kid down the aisle. And now I have a kid coming back from a year in Israel in seminary. And her, her life, you know, starts to take a new thing. Another kid ending high school. When did all this happen? Yes. The challenge is, it takes, it's so fast. 
There's so many things that many of us want to do when we're young, when we still have the ability, we still have the strength. You want to travel, you want to go, you want to learn a hobby. It doesn't even necessarily only have to be things, matters of the spirit. Don't take for granted that you are here on temporary leave. You have a student visa, I like to call this world. We're here on a student visa. We're given a chance to be able to come here to learn, to grow. And if we use the opportunities, then we have unbelievable op- uh, you know, uh, chances to grow and to do great things. And if we get comfortable, then uh, the minute we are comfortable, we stop trying to grow, we stagnate, and we deteriorate. That's what the Pasuk is telling. You are sojourners. Uh, you are transient people with me. Your time here is limited. Use it beautifully. Now the funny thing is, this concept, there's a song that used to go, I want to live forever, right? Yeah? The funny thing is, we love to think of the idea about living forever. My friends, there's no greater nightmare than living forever. When you live forever, you do nothing. It is the limitation of your life that forces your life to be an interesting, a beautiful, a powerful, and a holy one. That is the beauty of this concept. And I'll end with the sentence in in, uh, in Bereshit. Our rabbis tell us that it says that God created the world and it was good. And He created the light and it was good. And He created the seas and the thing and it was good. Everything is good. Good, 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 good. And then finally at the end, on the sixth day, it says, And God created... Tov me'od, tov me'od. It was very good. Ask the Gemara, what was very good? Cheesecake. No, what was very good? Anything else was good. The universe, the galaxies were good. What was very good? No, Gemara says, Yetzer hara, the Satan, the Malach That's very good. Shoe very good. You know what the answer is, my friends? Without the Malach your life would have no purpose, no meaning, and no direction. I didn't accomplish yet, I'll accomplish next millennia. Yeah. And I, you know, later. Everything becomes later. So God says, I made everything in the world that's good. But there's one thing that's very good. You know why it's very good? Because it is the thing that will ensure that you engage in all the good things. My friends, we should all take opportunities that we have. We should all grab moments, moments of health. Spend time with people before that time is over. You have grandparents. We take for granted that they'll be here always. And then one day, they're not. So we talked about your relationships laterally and below. But the same thing is true with up above. There's so much wisdom in the older generation. And sometimes we miss the chance and then they can't speak to us. And then they're not well. And then, and then they pass to another place. My friends, carpe diem. Grab the moment. The time is now. Live your life. God bless you. Amen.